Welcome back to the Our View podcast. This episode is part of our Mental Health Monday series. These episodes will highlight topics related to mental health. The episodes will sometimes share the stories of those who have been medically diagnosed with mental health disorders, and other episodes in the series will share interviews with mental health professionals who will provide an overview of the different types of mental health diagnoses and their treatment options. These episodes are intended to be informational and educational only. It is not medical advice, and any information within these episodes is not intended to diagnose. We encourage you to always seek the guidance of your medical physician or clinician for any decisions regarding your medical needs and conditions. Welcome back to the Hour View podcast. On today's episode, I welcome my guest, Troy Campbell. Join our conversation as we discuss anxiety disorders. would like to welcome everyone back to another episode of the Our View podcast, where we raise awareness, educate, and change the tone of conversation about disabilities. This episode is a part of our Mental Health Monday series, where we will be discussing topics related to mental health. On today's episode, I would like to welcome my guest, Troy Campbell, to the podcast. And uh, today's discussion, we are going to be talking about anxiety disorder. So welcome to the podcast. I am happy to have you on today. Thank you. Thank you um, yeah, if you could, uh, could you just introduce yourself and tell us um, who you are, what you do, and um, something fun that you like to do? <laughs> <laughs> um, so my name is Troy Campbell, and I am a licensed um, clinical social worker, and I provide currently for work at a federally qualified health center where I work with uh, behavioral health clients, mental health clients on a variety of different disorders. Um, but my two specialties are things that I focus the most on are trauma-related disorders and anxiety disorders. And um, a fun thing that I like to do, um, I have two hairless cats at home. Really? And <laughs> I, yes, I... <laughs> They, they are different from most cats because most cats, they don't want to have anything to do with you. These two cats are like little kids and they lay on you and they climb on you and they <laughs> do all types of things. And so I, I spend a lot of time, you know, um, uh, working with, with their, using their purrs as my <laughs> anxiety reducers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, they'll lay in my head, lay in my neck, and lay in whatever part of my body that they want to lay on to get warm because they have no hair. So that's one of the funnest things that I like to do because it is um, somewhat therapeutic. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Animals in general, I think, are uh, very therapeutic and very helpful. And uh, that's great. I've, um, I've never known anyone to have hairless cats. I've seen them and heard of them. <laughs> So that's really, that is a really fun fact. So thanks for, for sharing that. Um, so as I mentioned on this episode, we are going to be talking about uh, anxiety disorders. So uh, if you could, could you tell us um, what anxiety disorders are and, and how many types of anxiety disorders exist uh, according to the DSM-5? 
well, the DSM-5 um, kind of separated the three different types of anxiety disorders. Uh, in the DSM-4, anxiety disorders that included obsessive compulsive disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, and other trauma-related disorders, they were all categorized, categorized in one in one category of anxiety disorders. But now anxiety disorders have their own separate category. And anxiety disorders, um, the main ones are agoraphobia, which is basically a, uh, a, a, an anxiety disorder that causes a person to have a fear of going out into public spaces. Um, similar to social phobia, social anxiety disorder, but it's so it's different from a social anxiety anxiety disorder or social phobia because it's, debil it's debilitating. It stops a person from being able to actually uh, participate in normal living situations because the anxiety is so overwhelming. Um, then there are panic disorders that are not associated with agoraphobia. And panic disorders are basically the same thing as an agoraphobia, but it's not. It, it, it's it's based on um, um, a specific thing that you panic over. You know, it, it, instead of just like an overwhelming general, when you anything that goes outside is dangerous or scary for me. So that's kind of the one of the one of the um, the differentiations between the two. Uh, then there's social anxiety disorder that's specific, and that's the one that's, you know, it really is based on you you can't be in crowded spaces, you can't be around people. You're you're that's the only anxious thing that you have about it. It's just that you go onto public places around people and those those feelings, those overwhelming feelings of anxiety start to start to overcome you just being around people. And then there's separation anxiety disorder. You usually see that with children. Um, in the early stages of development, when they are having a difficult time being away from their parents, especially when they say go to um, preschool or to kindergarten, but it also appears in adults later in life. Um, it's usually related to some sort of an attachment trauma that's happened sometime in their lifetime, where they have a difficult time feeling comfortable by themselves and away from the people that make them feel safe. So separation anxiety can exist along the lifespan. It doesn't necessarily have to be um, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a child. And then there's the one that is not generally um, looked at as a, an anxiety disorder, but it's included in the DSM-5, which is selective mutism. It's basically when a person has an overwhelming experience in their life, and then all of a sudden they just stop talking. It usually appears in infancy, childhood, uh, years or adolescence, but um, those um, those are very rare conditions. It happens people think, but they are pretty rare com in comparison to the other anxiety disorders. Um, and then the last one is generalized anxiety disorder. You just have generalized anxiety about everything in every area of your life, your social life, your school life, your home life. I mean, just things, excessive worry all the time generalized anxiety disorder. That's the one that's most commonly diagnosed um, as an anxiety disorder, just as a catch-all. A lot of doctors, medical doctors use it as a catch-all generalized anxiety disorder because Jack, technically that's all it is. You have a generalized anxiety about everything. So. Yeah. One of the, um, 
one of the things that you and I talked about um, in our emails back and forth with each other was how the COVID-19 pandemic has led to an increase of people developing symptoms of anxiety disorders. Um, can you talk about that and uh, how, how that um, can occur uh, due to the uh, pandemic and especially because of the isolation of um, sheltering at home and, and all of those kinds of things that we now have to do? Yeah, uh, the, the thing that I see most common um, is because there is a, a, a generalized anxiety diagnosis based on a medical condition, like a fear of a medical condition, right? And so you see that a lot. People's fear of contracting the COVID-19 virus, people's fear of, um, you know, being exposed to the virus, that is the, the thing that I see most often. You know, they come into my office and they say, you know, I never had anxiety before, but I'm, I'm waking up and I can't breathe. I, my heart is beating 100 miles per hour. My hands are sweating. I feel like I'm having a heart attack. And, you know, we, we never want to, you know, uh, deter people from seeking medical attention for those, those feelings because pain in the chest or feeling like you're, your heart, you're having a heart attack is always uh, an important thing to explore medically. But what you're seeing is there's a lot of that related to anxiety attacks, panic attacks, or, or whichever one, there is a difference between anxiety attack and panic attack. Anxiety attack is something that comes on gradually. Panic attack is something that comes on suddenly and you have no idea where it came from. So um, you, um, th those individuals are coming into my office frequently now, just about every day I'm getting a new person calling in and saying, hey, I'm having um, anxiety. And it's generally related to the fact that they don't have any idea What's going to happen next? Um, the isolation, the quarantine, the uncertainty of vaccinations and and the virus and how the world if it's going to return back to normal, those things are all creating you know issues where people are experiencing some form of anxiety. Um, the you know I most people don't realize that that anxiety the the, the general um, consensus in in the in the behavioral health community is that anxiety is basically the fear of the unknown, right? It's the fear of the unknown and you have no idea what's going to happen next. Something horrible is going to happen. I don't know what it is. I'm just going to sit there and this is how my body is going to respond. Um, and those responses, those physical responses that you're having are based on your, your body's biological responses to um, things that might be a, a threat for them. So the amygdala, the person, part of your brain, the, the uh, part of the brain that's designed to keep, help keep alive that's basically us driving those reactions in your anxiety so the heart palpitations the um the increased respiration the the sweating palms the you know sometimes even your memory you start having memory lapses because you have an overwhelming uh, flood of neurotransmitters and um, uh, chemicals going through your body so that's all based on these types of fears that people are having in this pandemic and you know, the more we're isolated, the more people are kept in their houses and not able to go out and, and, and socialize and connect with their support groups, support, support uh, networks like they used to have prior to the pandemic, the worse it tends to get. So we have an escalation of uh, anxiety, fear of the unknown, and depression because that overwhelming sadness that people are having. So, Yeah, I, I, I'm so happy that you um, 
that you wanted to talk about that because it's so true that um, in the present day, there's so much that is unknown uh, about pretty much every part of people's lives, their, you know, their jobs and finances. And um, just like you said, in the loss of, of uh, even the loss of friends and family to uh, the uh, virus that was, you know, that's still uh, very present. And, um, you know, having that anxious feeling, that uneasy feeling and fear of what is to come and um, how things will go from here on out is, is something that um, a lot of people are definitely uh, experiencing for sure. Um, I know you, you talked about um, each of the anxiety disorders. Can you, um, can you talk a little bit more about the symptoms that are associated with some of, uh, some of the uh, disorders? Yeah, I, I, those are some of the things that I just mentioned. The the mm -hmm. those those feelings of um, so the thing that usually comes up people that that uh, people describe most commonly happens with an anxiety um, with an anxiety disorder is that fear uh, the overwhelming fear that something really bad is going to happen. It's like that feeling of impending doom um, and. So when that, when that happens, especially when you have fear, well, am I going to contract this virus? Um, am I going to die from this virus? Um, am I going to be passed over you know, for a vaccine for this virus? That type of thing starts coming up. Those physiological responses are the ones that are the most um, um, noticeable. Usually people will start describing that they have a tingling sensation on their skin. Um, they have uh, a feeling that they are suffocating because they're having a hard time breathing. They can't catch their breath. Usually it's a hyperventilation. Um, then you have the people who have the racing heartbeat. They have racing thoughts. You know, that's, that goes along with the fear of the unknown and the overwhelming feeling of, um, of doom and gloom, the racing thoughts. Um, and, you know, most of these things that are disordered have time frames, right, that are associated with how they're diagnosed. Usually, for example, a generalized anxiety disorder, to be diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, you have to, had to have had the symptoms of, of, of the anxiety disorder, plus it causing some sort of um, disruption to areas of your life, your living pieces of your life whether it's in your home, in your relationships, and your work, um, there has to be some disruption as a result of those uh, symptoms um, that last for six months or more. That's generally how the generalized anxiety disorder is diagnosed. If it's less than that, you know, many doctors will just say, you know, you, you're, you're dealing with anxiety and they'll just diagnose you with a simple anxiety disorder so that they can give you <laughs> medication. In many cases, they give you anti-anxiety medication. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how they, how they get away with doing it because they have to have a diagnosis code to do that. But in order to fit the diagnostic criteria, there are timeframes and specific um, uh, requirements, either age requirements or uh, time frame. It's usually six months or more. The symptoms um, exist or uh, persisted, and they're causing dysfunction in your life. Yes. And you know, there's there's other you know symptoms you know that are related to talked about. constantly feeling irritable, 
that you know that can be interchangeable with depression and anxiety but irritability and feeling edgy you know really like restless and they can't sit still you know you'll see a lot of people who will start they'll shake their legs you know you notice they're shaking they're rocking their legs repeatedly because it's that that inability to sit still they're very restless um you can even have things like um muscle aches you can have um, insomnia that's a really common one with 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 anxiety people can't sleep because their brains are going 150 miles per hour all the time and so when they're trying to sleep at night they can't because their body is too amped up so that's the restlessness and of you just can't sit still so those are other symptoms that tend to um, coexist with those those other theological responses that i talked about earlier yeah i think um Thank you for sharing that because I, um, you know, I always say that like things look different for, for people. They can present themselves as uh, different symptoms. So uh, you know, something like you said, insomnia, where people just think, oh, I, I can't sleep. Oh, I'm just, you know, I drank coffee a little too late or something like that. Um, you know, it could very well be, um, you know, symptoms of, of anxiety and just uh, like you said, the body being too amped up to just uh, relax and go to sleep. And, um, you know, and having, uh, you know, leg cramps or muscle cramps and things like that, it just really uh, it can present itself in, in many different ways. So, um, you know, it's really good to, to mention that, that type of uh, symptom that can be related to anxiety. Yeah. So many people who have uh, anxiety challenges, um, will have gastrointestinal issues, whether it's diarrhea or nausea or constipation. Um, and it's because your body is diverting certain resources that it usually uses to survive to certain parts of your body that allow for you to fight, flight, or flee, whatever thing that, or fight, flee, <laughs> fight, flight, or freeze with regard to the thing that you feel that's dangerous. You know, people say, look at people who they say, well, he's catatonic or he's, he's, you know, frozen like deer in a headlights type of thing. And people think that that's some sort of, you know, severe mental illness. And many times it's just that they're so afraid that the body shuts down. So those different types of things can come up with anxiety as well, because you actually become overwhelmed with fear of the unknown that the body starts acting like and pretending like it needs to make it and keep it so that it survives and doesn't die. And it starts doing all these reactions, just like if you were running from a tiger out in the jungle someplace, you know, so um, you have all these reactions, you know, people say, I, I got so scared. Now I have to go to the bathroom. That's because the body's reacting to the fear. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the anxiety as well. So the body and the brain are amazing. Like it's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it really is because it's just, you know, it's the, the, the example you just used of like, you know, I got, I got so scared. I have to go to the bathroom now. And it's just like, you know, it's your body's way of, of reacting to the fear. And, um, you know, like the constipation, it's your body's reaction to the holding on to everything, to the nutrients that you, you know, mm -hmm. that you might need to survive. So it's but just it, really, um, you know, to, 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 think that your body, you know, your body knows that, uh, you know, something is, you know, presenting itself as a, a danger to you and mm -hmm. you, uh, and the way it responds to it, it's just, it's amazing how that happens. <laughs>
survival mode that's all it is your body's trying to survive so our our last question um for this episode is uh what are some risk factors that uh, can increase the potential of someone developing an anxiety disorder well there there are uh, several risk factors that are important um and i'll give a couple or a few one you know, we, many people don't talk much about adverse childhood experiences. This is, um, you know, the, the Kaiser Permanente study from 1995 to 1997 that, that, that basically um, researched the effect of 10 specific uh, adverse childhood experiences that a person can go through by the time they're, they're 18 years old. Um, and certain things can come out of that from physiological response to psychological responses. If a person grows up in an environment and they have four or more um, ACE um, events, adverse childhood experiences, um, their risk factors for anxiety disorders and depression increase dramatically. Because if you're living in a constant fear as a child, you will sometimes grow up and that will carry over into your adulthood, your adult life. So one of the risk factors. Um, the other risk factor is you know, we talk, people talk, you know, it, are mental health disorders genetic? Well, I wouldn't say they're quote unquote genetic, but there are genetic markers and there's some genetic predisposition for certain mental health um, disorders. And if you, um, sometimes it's based on the, the DNA sequencing and sometimes it's based on the environment that the parents may have presented for child as a result of their anxiety. For example, if a mom consistently and dad consistently have challenges with poverty and, 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 and job loss and things like that growing up, and they present with an anxious disposition all the time, the child will pick that up as being a normal response to adverse experiences. So when they get older, um, they are at risk of developing the same type of uh, challenges when they get older, because that's what they know as a coping mechanism. So um, when they become an adult and then they are, are, are exposed to similar challenges or even lesser challenges, um, they get a flat tire, you know, or something like that and they're on their way to work and they don't want to get in trouble, their response is panic. You know, their response is I'm going to get in trouble because I'm going to lose my job like my dad did when I was five years old. And so those risk facts can both be um, physiological and environmental based on um, Based on the person's going to go on and develop, you know, these disorders because that was that's what was going on their genetic um, marker within their their parents or in their lineage someplace. Not that's not always going to happen, um, but it does increase the risk that a person will develop those disorders or develop symptoms of those disorders when they get older. So those are the two major ones, you know, environmental and the physiological uh, risk factors. Um, I think that's, that's what I had. That's, that's, that's what I wanted to talk about there. Yeah. That. Thank you. Um, and it is, it's so, um, it's so true. And I'm, I'm glad that you did mention, uh, you know, a, a child who sees a parent responding to adverse situations in a particular way, it's, if they see it over and over again, they will, um, you know, just a, a natural thing. They'll just pick that up and they start to respond that way as well. So it, it's really, um, 
you know, very important to, to mention that. So thank you so much. Um, so, and also just thank you for your time uh, tonight. And um, we're recording this, uh, well, 7.30 here in New Jersey. But um, <laughs> so uh, thank you so much for your time tonight. And I uh, appreciate you sharing your knowledge and the information about the uh, anxiety disorders. Again, uh, this episode is, um, you know, just to raise awareness about mental health diagnoses and what they mean and uh, just to share information and to, to educate people about uh, these terms that we often hear uh, just thrown around and, um, you know, what they can actually mean that they actually have meaning and uh, diagnostic criteria to, you know, that needs to be met in order to um, have a diagnosis. So uh, I appreciate you, Troy, for your time. And uh, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Our View podcast. Leave us a review wherever you listen and let us know what you liked about this episode. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and be sure to follow us on all social media platforms for more disability-related content at Our View for Life. That's O-U-R-V-I-E-W, the number four, L-I-F-E. If you listen to this episode on your phone, take a screenshot and post it to your Instagram or Facebook stories and be sure to tag us. We thank you for listening and take care.